Welcome to 15 Minutes of Fangs and Folklore with your host, Matthew Miller. We give you pint-sized, bite-sized pieces of supernatural monster lore, exploring their origins, their history, and their meaning to the human condition. Listen, if you dare. It's the Middle Ages. You live in medieval Hungary, in a little town that surrounds a castle. In that castle lives the Countess Elizabeth Bathory, who is wealthy beyond what your peasant's mind can comprehend, who holds absolute power over the town and everyone in it. One day you get some great news. The Countess Bathory has agreed to take your 10-year-old daughter into her finishing school. She'll teach her to be a proper lady. This will greatly increase the chances of your daughter's successful future and in turn, that of the entire family. Beaming with pride, you take your daughter up to the castle where a servant takes her into the school. You kiss her goodbye and tell her to study hard. You never see her again. All protests and reports to the authorities are greeted with simple silence. A few years later, you learn a horrifying fact about the fate of your daughter, a fate bathed in blood. I'm your host, Matthew Miller, expert on all things monster and paranormal. I'm a horror writer from the dark and haunted swamps of Louisiana, and it's my pleasure to welcome you into my terrifying world. Please check out my books on Amazon, beginning with Blood Feud, a punk rock vampire story, which is volume one of the Gravediggers series. The Gravediggers are a punk rock band who keep crossing paths with all sorts of dark, evil, nasty creatures. It's horror and comedy combined in one super entertaining series. Here on 15 Minutes of Fangs and Folklore, we're in the middle of our Werewolf series, but I had a request from a listener to do a standalone episode about the bloody Countess Elizabeth Bathory. If you're not familiar with her, well, you're in for a fun ride. Her name in Hungarian is Bathory Erzebet, I guess, and I guess they put the last name first in that culture. Uh, so um, she was a Hungarian noblewoman. And she was born into a life of wealth and privilege, and some say cruelty. Countess Elizabeth Bathory was born in 1560 on a family estate in Nirbator <laughs> in Hungary. She spent her childhood at Exed Castle. Her father was Baron George VI Bathory of the Exed branch of the family, and she was well-connected. Her mother was Baroness Anna Bathory, daughter of some other important people. You don't need to hear all the names and dates. That's the boring stuff. You'll get to the good stuff. This note, though, that through her mother, Elizabeth was the niece of several nobles uh, and royals, including the king of Poland. So she's ex extremely, incredibly well-connected. And her brother, her older brother, Stephen Bathory, served as a royal judge of Hungary. So yeah, she's wealthy, powerful, you know, well-connected throughout the world. By the way, she was raised as a Calvinist. That will come up later. Calvinist is a Protestant who believes certain doctrines like, you know, like uh, predestination, total depravity, and so forth. But as a girl, Elizabeth suffered seizures. 
probably epileptic, but in those days, you can imagine, medical science was not exactly advanced, so she would have been diagnosed as having something like the vapors, or the falling sickness, as it was often called, the falling sickness. Uh, listen to this. Listen to what treatments existed in those days for, for epilepsy. Included rubbing blood of someone who doesn't have epilepsy on the lips of the epileptic, or giving the epileptic a mix of that person's blood and a piece of skull as their, as their seizure ended. I want to know how the hell they give, gave her a piece of someone's skull. How do you take a piece of a skull without that person dying? I want to know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, medieval medicine sure was something. Um, <clears throat> scholar Carol Leslie, in her book Royal Pain, A Rogue's Gallery of Brats, Brutes, and Bad Seeds, which uh, is published 2014, argues that Bathory grew up in a very violent family. In a time and place in history when intrigue and assassinations and plots were common, you know, they wanted her to grow up to be strong, a strong ruler. So her family raised her to be cruel and violent, taught her the art of torture, if you can call it an art. <laughs> and it's also claimed by some of her, uh, that her family members practiced Satan worship and black magic, at least some of her family members. So she comes from a bad brood already. There is a peasant's rumor that has passed down through the ages, even until today, that the Countess Elizabeth Bathory got pregnant at age 13 from a local peasant boy. Of course, they could never have that go public. So she gave birth to the child. Family paid a local woman a lot of money to take the child away to grow up in Wallachia, which, by the way, in Romania, is where Vlad the Impaler lived and ruled. I Probably just coincidental, but two vampiric figures, you know, related is interesting. All right, most of what we know, well, much of what we know, not most, but much, about Bathory is through oral accounts that were later written, but also eyewitnesses from her time. There is no hard documented contemporary evidence of some of the claims. Um, keep in mind also, in the late Middle Ages and early modern period, which is when she lived, trying someone for crimes, you know, it wasn't exactly a fair and balanced court, <laughs> due process was not a great concept, and torture was allowed, so keep that in mind when witnesses from that period claim something, they might have been tortured. All right, so Bathory's living her best life as a wealthy and powerful noblewoman in Hungary. She's married to a certain Count Ferenc Nadasti, I guess. Nadasti, Nadasti. Now this Count, uh, he's wealthy beyond belief. While the marriage probably was political, you know, like royal families arranging marriages and so forth, still he gave her one hell of a wedding gift. He gives her the castle of Tiete, Tiete, a vast, beautiful structure. Uh, it's, it's, uh, the ruins of it still exist today. You can go see it. Along with a magnificent country house in Tiete, Tiete, I guess. And listen to this. He gave her 17 nearby villages. I guess in that time you could just like give people villages with all the people in them included. So Countess Bathory, she has everything in this world a woman of the time possibly could have asked for. She has wealth, power, property, a powerful, uh, wealthy husband. Now, her husband, Nadashti, there is some rumor that he taught her to be cruel, that he himself instructed her in torture. There's some evidence for that, not a lot. But what happens is he becomes promoted to the head commander of the Hungarian army, so he's a big deal. They go to war against the Ottomans. So he leaves the countess in charge of literally everything while he's away. This means she must keep the castle and the 17 villages running. She has to manage their protection from foreign armies, has to manage all of his money and affairs. So that's a ton of responsibility and power uh, for a woman of the time. 
you know, from what society would, would consider a woman's role. Not saying I agree with it, but that's from their time. Well, like most royals and nobles of the time, even today, she had political enemies. First of all, the Catholics don't like her because she's a Calvinist. The Habsburgs don't like her because they, at the time, are trying to extend their rule over Hungary, and she's a wealthy and powerful you know, ruler slash married to an army commander. Uh, keep in mind that because of her marriage, again, she's incredibly well-connected. She's related to many powerful rulers in her area and surrounding countries. And then finally, King Matthias, the king of Hungary, owed her a large debt. So the king owes you a lot of money. That's some power, right? That's some power to have. So there's plenty of motivation to try to get her out of the way. Her husband dies, 1604. Uh, her political enemies kind of see her as an easy target at this point, right? So her husband, Nadasti, leaves all of his affairs, money, wealth, under the control of a man named Giorgi, I guess Giorgi, Turzo. So Giorgi Turzo. He was the Palatine of Hungary, which means the number one highest ranking officer, the right-hand man of the king. So he's very, very powerful in the country. All right. So that's her, a little bit of her history. What's, what's the deal with her killing? Here are the accusations. Basically, Elizabeth Bathory and four of her servants were accused of torturing and murdering hundreds, like I said, 600 at least, girls and women between uh, the, eight, the, the years of 1590 and 1610. All right, so at the beginning of that period, by, well, by, the t by about 1600, uh, the rumors had spread throughout the kingdom about her practices. Um, the Lutheran minister, Istvan Magyari, made complaints about her. Uh, he went even to the court in Vienna, Austria. And then in 1610, King Matthias assigns, guess who? Giorgi Torzo, right? The man that her husband left all of his things to, to investigate. All right, that's a little conflict of interest there. So Torzo orders these two men, uh, Kerestori and Chiraki, to collect some evidence to go investigate. And they collect 52 witness statements. But a year later, they've, they, that's increased to 300. So over 300 statements from witnesses. Now, here's what the witnesses said. Bathory would take girls between uh, uh, 10 to 14 years old, mostly, from the local villages. She would take them into her so-called finishing school, and then she would basically torture and kill them, and the family would never see them again. She began with daughters of the lesser uh, nobility or gentry class, who are just under the nobles, um, and also, though, later expanded it as peasant girls, anyone. It was said that she tortured them with needles, uh, burned them, and then would like take hot instruments uh, from a fire, you know, sear them, to burn the girl, and then dip them in freezing cold water. Just horrible torture. Uh, but also, um, you know, we think of her, if you're familiar with it, of being obsessed with her blood, bathing in it, drinking it. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, in just a moment. Um, some witnesses named their own relatives who died while they're at the castle. Others said they saw dead bodies, uh, or the signs of torture on dead bodies. And then uh, two court officials, Desu and Silvasi, again, sorry for my Hungarian mispronunciation, these two guys claim to have personally witnessed her killing and torturing servant girls. All right, so on December 30th, she's arrested. Turzo, our old friend George Turzo, goes and arrests her, uh, along with four of her servants who they said helped her. Uh, Dorotia Semchets, Ilona Jo. Katarina Binica and Janos 
Ujvari, okay? Doing the best I can. So Thurzo writes a letter to his wife. He says he showed up at her castle. He finds one girl dead, another, uh, uh, you know, in a cell being held against her will, preparing to be killed. Um, so she was having dinner when he caught her. So basically he arrests her. He tells the village that he caught her red-handed. He did not. She was actually eating dinner, but he says that. <clears throat> and so basically he talks to Bathory's son and sons-in-laws and, you know, what are we going to do about this? This is going to be a public humiliation. We can't have this really getting out. So we can't really execute her. What are we going to do? So they uh, say, well, let's send her to a convent. But apparently the nuns had heard about her. So they say, no, thank you. So they place her under house arrest. Now, keep in mind, house arrest means she's under castle arrest in a, in a giant, luxurious castle. But she remained there until her death, never left it again. Uh, on the evening of 20, the 20th of August, 1614, Bathory tells one of her servants, ah, my hands are cold. And according to the testimony, the servant says, it's nothing, mistress, just go lie down. She went and lay down, went to sleep. The next morning, she was found dead, 54 years old. All right, so we, there was testimony from more than 300 individuals. Uh, they said that there was evidence of mutilation and torture on the bodies, uh, that there were dying girls and prison girls found in the castle. Most of the witnesses, though, said that they heard these accusations from others but didn't see it themselves. All right, well, hearsay. The servants also may have been tortured. That was common procedure at the time. If you know anything about torture, you know that a victim of torture will say anything you want them to say just to make it stop. You know, okay, fine, I'm a witch, whatever. You know, I'm the king of Poland, yes. Um, that's not credible these days. Torture, you know, as well. <laughs> Won't get into that, but torture is not reliable. So some of them may have been tortured. Um, they say that there's no evidence that anyone in her area had complained about her, taking their daughters. However, I imagine most peasants would have been a little scared to bring a claim of serial murder against a rich and powerful noblewoman, right? Uh, she has two trials, one on January 2nd, 1611, and then another five days later. All right, so uh, this case has inspired numerous stories, lots of stories, and, and uh, uh, you know, some of the fantastical about what she did. Most common of these is that she indeed uh, killed the girls for their blood, bathed in the victim's blood, drank it so that she could keep her youth or continue looking young. But that legend appeared the first time in 1729 in the writings of a Jesuit priest. And um, some of the uh, writings about her didn't include any references to blood or bloodbaths. Now, if she was indeed a serial killer, well, blood may have been her motivation, making her a kind of vampire-like character, right? The thing is, though, that she, um, you know, there's not a lot of hard evidence for that. <laughs> but... Perhaps she was a serial killer. Maybe she was just a sadist, but there is some evidence for her killing. But yeah, uh, everyone thinks of Bathory as the woman who bathed in blood, the bloody countess. All right, so what do you think? Was the countess Elizabeth Bathory a serial killer who tortured girls, bathed in their blood, drank their blood to retain her youth? Could it be that the blood stories are not real, but she still was a very prolific serial killer? Was she... Contrarily, the victim of false accusations, a slander campaign by her political enemies and those who wanted her wealth and power. What do you think? I can see both sides, to be honest. If she was a demented serial killer, let's not forget her poor victims and their families. You know, sometimes 
it's easy to get caught up in the thrilling, you know, mystery, the, the horror of cases like Bathory or Jack the Ripper and Gilles de Rey and so forth. But don't forget, they killed real people, real innocent victims who, whose lives were cut short, whose families lost them and, you know, had to go through the grief. So it's easy to look back in history and forget that these were just human beings just like us, right? Remember, just because someone is rich and famous doesn't mean they're not hiding something wicked, hiding some evil secret <laughs> down deep in their soul. What do you think? Serial killer? Blood drinker? Vampire-like character? Are the victim of slander and false accusations? Well, thank you for listening. And tonight, if uh, someone asked to take your daughter to a finishing school to teach her how to be a lady, my recommendation is to just say no. See you next time.